And it was a lot. So I think it's probably twofold. One, they covered a lot of software in this keynote. And two, with all of the issues surrounding chip availability, um, you know, just parts, um, it was probably, it was, I'm sure, a calculated decision. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Hey, this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Tech. And you're listening and or watching the Snob OS Show, the show for Apple snobs where we talk all things Apple and then some. Welcome back to another week of the Snob OS Show. We're going to be a little light on the and then some portion of the show. Um, on Monday, we had the kickoff for WWDC with the keynote address from all of the top leaders and innovators at Apple. So on this show, we will spend the entire time covering all of the new features coming to software at Apple. If you are a Patreon supporter, you got a bit of the traditional show during our pre-show, which we call the Snobbish Show. So if you want that type of content, you need to become a Patreon so you can hear a little bit of the extra content. So with that said, this all this whole show is going to be the lowdown where we talk all things Apple. And today we are talking all things WWDC 21 keynote address recap. And man, is it a lot of information. The keynote address um, kicked off uh, by Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, ran a total of one hour and 48 minutes. And that one hour and 48 minutes was jam packed. So we have updates on iOS 15, um, iPad OS 15, uh, Watch OS 8, Mac OS Monterey, and a slew of other services. So with that, let's start off with iOS 15. So a lot to cover. Um, we'll start <laughs> with FaceTime. So FaceTime is getting a bit of an upgrade. Um, there's going to be a new spatial audio feature. We are also getting some mic upgrades, which in two, includes two different versions. So one is voice isolation and the other is wide spectrum. Voice isolation is what you would expect. You're on your FaceTime call. You have tons of background noise. You can now isolate just the voice um, on the calls so you don't hear anything on, on the background. Or if you want to get more of the conversational feel, you can uh, have on the wide spectrum where that gives you all of the kind of background noise in addition to the voices. Um, additionally, on the video, there are some new views. You'll have a grid view and a portrait mode. Also, um, there's a new scheduling link that comes into FaceTime. Um, and this link works on non-iOS devices as well. Probably the biggest thing that I think came out of the FaceTime update is a new feature called SharePlay, 
where in your FaceTime call, you can add in music, TVs, movies, and um, share your screen. Also, SharePlay has um, an API that is already integrated in quite a few of the popular streaming apps that many of us use. So FaceTime, what are your right. thoughts on FaceTime? Um, actually, probably the most interesting thing to come out of FaceTime would probably be the scheduling link because, like you mentioned, you can actually share that link and it's a browser uh, link. So if you have an Android, if you have a Windows device, you can actually technically be on FaceTime. Of course, you can't initiate the um the conversation, but you can join. But you, but you can join on your Android, on your uh, Windows device, anything that can support a browser. You can now do FaceTime. The reason why that I think that is important probably is a year too late, <laughs> because <laughs> over the past year, all we've been doing is, uh, you know, doing Zoom calls, uh, you know, whether it be Facebook Live, however you communicate to your family and friends and loved ones, we've been doing it via video. You know, like I said, me, my family specifically, I bought a Facebook portal, you know, got one for my father and sent it to him. So now that's how we communicate to where via Facebook portal. It would have been so much easier (laughs) (laughs) if I could have shared a FaceTime link to him. He could have went on his computer. Boom, same thing, right? right? So all that to say, I think this is probably going to be used the most to be able to share that link uh, to uh, non-iOS devices and get more people in the conversation. Again, a year too late, but we'll see, you know, definitely how Apple starts to kind of even move even further into enterprise mm-hmm. because we are been using Zoom. We have been using Skype. You know, we've been using new stuff. When FaceTime has already been there, you know, it would have been nice for, you know, you know, enterprise who primarily uses Apple devices to be able to actually, you know, conduct business over FaceTime, FaceTime. versus going out to an external product or third party product. Another thing that I thought was actually personally uh, I enjoyed was the shared screen version because I have family members and I'm pretty sure most of us do. I am the IT tech guy of the family. So I've got parents and, you know, friends and relatives who always need me to show them how to do something and I have to close my eyes and imagine what their screen looks like in order to get them to set up something whether it be some you know whatever the case may be mm-hmm. it'd be so much easier if I could uh, if they could share their screen with me so I can actually see what's on their screen and better show them how to do something so Walk those them are through the, it better yeah right right so out of that whole you know piece I think those are two uh, most important things that I saw that kind of popped up. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I think the grid view may be helpful as well because you can see everybody that's on the call in an sim- equal size, in a equal size similar right. to your Zooms or your Teams uh-huh. or whatever. Everybody has uh-huh. their own little block. You can see facial expressions and you can interact that way. But I think the share play is really uh, pretty much a game changer, especially since they already have the API ready and it's already integrated with some of the big streaming sites um, already. So um, I think that is pretty cool. All right, let's 
take a look at the second thing, messages. So there's a new share with you feature. Um, when I saw it, I thought, you know, kind of like a bookmark. If someone sends you a message um, and you're like, oh, I want to look at that. I want to read that. You can basically um, bookmark it in a sense um, to go back to it later. And it takes you back once you create that share with you, uh, I don't know what you call it, link or I, I'm calling it a bookmark because that's what it makes me think of. You can go and say Terrence sends me an article. It's like, ooh, that seems like interesting, but I don't want to read it right now. But I do want to make a note to be able to go back and take a look at it. So and you, it's actually it's actually that it's actually easier than that. You really don't have to create the bookmark. Any content that's shared with you that's other than text message, like actual words, like somebody shares a link, somebody puts a picture, somebody adds a calendar evite, uh, whatever the case may be, mm. you'll be able to go to that share to you with you portion and just see that. Like think of think of it like you opening up a email, right? And you're looking for an email. You can actually do a sort and say, look for email with attachments and it'll show you all the emails that got attachments because you don't have the time to go through each individual email. You can do a sort. I'm calling it a sort. That's not actually the word, but you can search by emails with attachments. This is kind of the same thing. You go to the share to you portion. It'll show you all the media like Twitter. I did, that's a better example. If you go on Twitter, mm -hmm. you can go tweets. You can see tweets and replies. You can see media. So you can actually just see all the videos, all the GIFs, all the images. This is the same thing. And the cool thing about it is when you find something like a picture or something funny, something interesting, you don't have to then kind of go back to, to the message. It'll take you to the message. You, yeah. you can actually reply right in the share for you section. The reason why this is interesting is because WhatsApp kind of has this. If you start a WhatsApp um, chat group, mm -hmm. you can actually go into the specifics of WhatsApp and it'll show you all the media. So you can actually find that image, find that document, whatever the case may be versus trying to thumb through the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. So this is, to me, this is just Apple catching up to some of the other messaging platforms out there. I'm pretty sure Signal and some um, um, Telegram probably has this feature. I think this is Apple just catching up. <laughs> yeah, because you can do links, images, any videos, any content that you get in the actual messages you can put in this share with you section. And also um, it's built into the apps. So it was built into photos, Safari, Apple News, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, and the Apple TV app. Right. So, so there's a, this section is in all of those right. so different apps. Right, so if you look through your photos and you see a share with, there'll be a share for you with you section, you see a picture and you wanna reply, It'll take you right to that message where you can plot in line versus then having to go back to messages, try to find that part in the conversation to where you can respond. Yep. And some new emojis. I'm not sure how many people use those, but um, at the opening of the event, um, instead of Tim talking to an audience of people, it was a collection of different emojis that he was uh, kicking off the keynote with. And the other thing um, in messages, photo collections. So um, multiple photos um, that are in your messages um, appear as a collage or a stack of, of images, kind of like, 
think of old school when you actually had physical photos and you had a stack of photos, how you can just kind of flip through the photos. That's kind of what it, it looks like. Um, in mm-hmm. message, you can just kind of swipe through all the photos. And you can save them to your library um, pretty easily. All right. That is it for messages. On to notifications. So notifications got a new design um, overall. Um, and they have this uh, notification summary feature where you can base your notifications on essentially like a priority, like what's most important to you goes directly into mm-hmm. your notification summary. So instead of just swiping down, seeing a jumbled pile of notifications, it's more organized. And I believe you can set your preference on on the way you see them. And that kind of flows into this new feature that they have called focus. Um, and the way they kind of broke it down is you can, instead of just doing do not disturb because you don't want everything coming in, you can right. set a focus. So say from that, based on a, a, a time frame. So say if you work a traditional nine to five job, if you say from, you know, nine to five, I only want to see things related to work. So any like work emails you may have on your phone, text messages from uh, work colleagues, those would be the only things that you see during that time. So right. some of the basic ones I think it comes with is like uh, work, fitness, gaming, uh, reading, gaming reading, and you can do custom uh, focuses as well. Right. This definitely come in handy because do not disturb does not work. And I give you a specific example. It works, but not really. (laughs) So when I'm exercising, I'm specifically looking at my screen. And I've got to actually set up an automation in shortcuts to where anytime I open the fitness app, like, for instance, specifically the Fitness Plus app. Once I turn once I open it, I've got an automation that runs that automatically turns on Do Not Disturb. Problem with that is Do Not Disturb works for notifications like it'll mute any sort of audible notifications. But if I'm, I'm looking at my screen to exercise, I can see the notifications showing up at the top of the screen. And that kind of breaks my concentration to where sometimes I even want to reach up there and, swipe and see what's going on. Yeah. To get to, or just to get them out of the way. Now I'm out of the flow of my exercise. So it will be nice. It will definitely be nice with this focus to where I can go into the fitness one and kind of either use the defaults or actually tweak it even more to where while I've, while I'm working out, whether it be a fitness app or doing something on my Apple watch where I'm just walking or whatever the case may be, mm. I won't get anything except for maybe a phone call from a wife. So I can go into the fitness one and say all notifications, audible and visible with the exception of this person or that person. phone call yeah. from my wife. Right. Yeah. And that she calls me, then that's the only one that'll come through. And also, um, for other iPhone users, of course, with iMessage, if you have a focus turned on, it will alert the other person who is sending you the message that mm-hmm. says, hey, this person has um, a focus on. on. So yeah. they may not get it. You may send it, but they right. may not get it. Right. Right. Um, we talked about the notification uh, summary um, and, uh, you know, how that's essentially prioritizing what notifications come in and it's a little bit more compartmentalized. Um, and, um, it's based, uh, the summary is 
done. I'm sure there's some sort of algorithm and machine learning that's built into this that will start to get the flow of the user and that will determine how things that will help determine how things are prioritized mm-hmm. um, in your in your screen and it's not just kind of you know chunky uh, way in there. All right, uh, live text. Uh, this one was something. Um, I guess it comes in handy for people. I was a little surprised they spent as much time on it as I did, but live text. So essentially, you can grab text from an image. So say if you are at a restaurant, you take a picture of the restaurant. Oh, wow, this is a great place. It's good time. You can now go in using you know existing gestures that mm-hmm. are on the iPhone to highlight and grab whatever, say, the name of the restaurant is. You will be able to highlight that, copy that, and you will be able to, you know, do a lookup on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use it in email. So that actual text from the image is now usable. Like you said, if it's a restaurant, throw it into lookup. It'll give you the location. So you can go if you need to call it for a reservation or see what the hours are or get their address, those type of things. So you can pretty much any text that's going to be in an image, um, you can and this is existing previous images and images going forward that you will be able to to do this from. Right. So this comes in. This will come in handy a lot for me because I do this a lot while I'm driving. If I'm at a stoplight or at a stop sign and I see a contractor and you know plumber, electrician, HVAC, landscaping, remodeling, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. all of these trucks will have all their information. I'm always taking a picture. Like, oh, I'm gonna call them back, you know. And then when you get to the picture, they either have to <laughs> keep toggling back and forth between or try the to phone, use my memory. or yeah, yeah, try to use my memory to memorize the phone number and then switch to the phone, which never works. Yeah, I always because you have up. to always go back. Yeah. So this will definitely come in handy to being able to take the picture, grab the phone number, and actually call from the photo without even having to switch over to the actual uh, call app. You can just use this live text highlight the phone number and on that image it'll say call this phone number boom you're done the problem with this is not all phones are going to get it i did a little bit of research after uh, wwdc you'll need an iphone with the a12 bionic chip or Mm. better so that's i want to say iphone 11 and up right now we're on on iphone 12 so any iphone that has the iphone the a12 bionic chip so uh uh, no iPhone 6s, less no iPhone SE. Um, let's see, uh, iPhone. Yeah, let me see. I think the. Let me see. Let me see if I can find it. Um, yeah, I had to do another search, but yeah, any iPhones that uh, were introduced around 2018 will have the A12 Bionic chip. So we're probably iPhone 11 and up. Sounds like it. Cool. All right. A couple of other quick things. Spotlight gets a little bit update. You can now uh, use uh, the spotlight feature to find photos. Um, Also in the photo space, um, the photo app got a little bit of upgrade as well. There's a new animated title card. Um, You know, when you go into your memories, you can like do videos or with music along with the images. 
So it has this new music and uh, selection intelligence based on the images, the type of music, of course, from Apple Music that would likely go best with this video montage of photos. Um, it also has some pre-selected memory mixes that you can try out the different options of, of music and the mute, the photos of course shift based on the tempo of the music. And there's of course a curated uh, list of songs, of course, all coming from, from Apple. Music. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. If you got a, if you got a breakup and you got a whole bunch of pictures of your ex-boyfriend, you don't want that happy go lucky <laughs> Apple music right. to pop up. You may want something a little bit more Summer. <laughs> rough. <laughs> You know, <laughs> some Adele, maybe a little bit of Jasmine Sullivan, maybe, <laughs> or you know, you know, bust your windows out your car type music. That's Jasmine Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's head on over to Wallet. Uh, so Wallet gets an update as well. Um, this kind of uh, goes into something that um, I don't know if it was was it last year's tech predictions. Um, but I think what's coming with Wallet is in line with what um, Terrence was predicting maybe last year. So in Wallets, of course, you can put, you know, your credit cards in there, your your um, your Apple uh, tickets. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can also now for selected parks. I think it mentioned Disney specific. You can add your park passes to Wallet um, for certain uh, public transportation, your Metro cards or MARTA cards or uh, Metro, whatever the different ones are, you can Mm -hmm. now add those cards to your wallet and you can swipe those as you go, the turnstiles. Also keys. So in addition to, I think um, when they uh, brought the keys feature up last year, it was specifically for BMW. Mm -hmm. Um, BMW is now rolling it out to more cars, uh, to, to more brands of cars, and other car companies are coming into the Keys family as well. In addition to if you have a smart home, um, you will be able to use that, um, your Apple wallet as a key as well. Hotels. Um, and one of the things that they mentioned, I mean, you know, I like to travel. And since we're now baby getting back to the point to be able to travel for certain um, hotel chains, you can have your... Um, your keys show up in your wallet um, when your room is ready. So when you go to check in, you could, in theory, already have your hotel key in your wallet. Another um, type of key that is going to be available, um, again, based on what company you work for, I assume this is probably going to rule out more as people start to use it, but your work badge, instead of keeping, because I know I when I did go into the office, I would leave my badge in the car all the time. I have to run back out to the car once I got to the door to so I could get back to get in. Um, so yeah, you will be able to add your work badge to um, your wallet as well. So in addition to these things, um, ID cards is uh, coming to Apple Wallet. Um, for participating states, you'll be able to scan in your driver's license and you will be able to have that in your wallet and coming they didn't give a specific date um or time frame they just said coming soon tsa so um you will be able to store your ids i'm assuming maybe passports if you have global
Yes, it allowed me to resume. Um, I don't know what happened. I was just chit-chatting, talking away. Then you looked frozen. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, ah, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm not quite sure what the last thing you heard We were talking about uh, wallet and ID cards. So the reason why that's important is because all apps, not all apps, most apps, like if you like you mentioned traveling, you can go and open up the Hilton or the Marriott or the whatever app and you'll have your room key. Right. You can go to the Marta in in Atlanta is Marta, New York, whatever the New York is, whether San Francisco, you can open up their app. And you'll have your digital key to where you can scan and get in and out of the terminals or whatever. The benefit of Apple Wallet is you have that pass or that access or that key, whatever it is, it's in the wallet app. So you don't have to. The problem, for example, the problem I run into is whenever I'm traveling, right, I'm a Marriott person. I go to Marriott and they'll say, oh, you have you have a digital key. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I'll go to the to the Marriott. You know, I'll go to the front counter. I'll get a physical key anyway. Get up to the room and be like, oh, let me try my digital uh, key. I'll open the Marriott app. Guess what? I haven't signed in. So then I got to go sign in. Then once you sign in, it takes a minute for the app to recognize I booked this reservation, and I got to wait for all that information to come into the app. Then they'll say, oh, you have the key, and then. By that time, 10 minutes is gone, right? <laughs> right. But with the uh, more services like hotels, like airlines, like your home, like your car, like your driver's license, that will all be quickly available by just opening up the wallet app and then selecting the right card, key, pass, whatever the case may be. Cuts out a lot of uh, extra steps. And it just makes it easy, especially if you're going through a terminal. You know, like I said, I don't know what the pressure is. You know, I, I well, let me rephrase. I haven't felt the pressure of <laughs> rush hour in New York trying to get in and out of the, the terminals mm-hmm. and the subway. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people behind you who's like, bruh, hurry up. But you're Move. sitting there at the terminal trying to clickety-clack, open up the thing. You know, with Apple, what they're doing a better job of is in iOS 15. It's making more of those passes available to where you can just... Double click on the side, select your key, keep it moving. Right. So it just makes it, I think, a lot easier just to manage it. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I am a paperless kind of girl. And as much that I can get rid of, actually, that I have to carry is all right in my book because I don't have to carry all that stuff. I don't want to have to keep up with it. We pretty much, it's very rare to find someone who is not, uh, doesn't have their phone with them or, you know, their watch or, or some sort of communication device. So I think it's, uh, I think it's a good idea. I think, mm-hmm. you know, they're finally catching up. And I think the more people that do finally get on board will be better. I, they didn't specifically say, you know, regarding the driver's license. I don't think they said which states are they didn't. They are didn't. in the program, 
or the timeline that they have or, you know, how that'll work. Um, but it is an option. And since they announced it, I'm assuming they already have some partners because they would have had to do some sort of, you know, test on this. So um, I guess coming, you know, closer probably to the fall, they'll um, we'll have the information as to who specifically is going to be involved in these activities. All right. Um, weather. So the weather app got a UI uh, redesign and they got better maps. Um, they didn't spend a whole lot of time on this. Other than nobody just to uses know. it. Right. <laughs> I use it to like check the what like the weather's going to look for the day, but that's unlike the highlight. That's not even, I don't have to dig deep into anything to to figure that out. So right. um, and there's some other apps on the market that really do that deep dive. Mm-hmm. If you care, most people like, for instance, like you said, I just hey, say, hey, Siri, what's the forecast for today? And then she, you know, does the thing. And then that's enough for me. Right. That's I just need to know if it's raining. I just need to know if it's going to be super hot, you know, so I can prepare for for my day, especially if I'm having to, uh, you know, go outside or anything. All right. Um, maps. Maps is back again. And uh, they said it's better this time. Uh, so it has a new nighttime mode. Um, apparently the details on the different roadways and streets are more detailed, which now includes like 3D renderings of, of landmarks. I think they use the Golden State Bridge um, in the in the demo. And the other thing is for transit. So you can track where you are on the transit line. When you hop off, it'll let you know which station you're getting off on. And the other thing that I thought that was interesting, I know specifically for me, because I rarely use public transportation, coming out of the underground um space it's like okay which direction do i go to get where i'm going you can take your camera do a little bit of um reconnaissance yeah scan like the area and it'll tell you which way to go if you're following directions on getting to a place it'll tell you which stop to get off at then once you get out you go up to the street level do a little scan with your camera and um, it'll map the buildings and such and tell you which direction you need to go on to get to your um, next location. Right. Especially with the transit thing, you know, uh, somebody might be reading a book, you may be listening to some music, you may be off in deep space somewhere mm-hmm. and you'll get a tap on your watch or you'll get a notification on your phone to say, hey, the exit soon, you know, your stop is coming up soon, you mm-hmm. know, you might want to pay attention. Of course, you could say, well, you can just look up and see where you are, but people are in their phones like yeah. never before. So it's nice that your phone actually is like, hey, you might want to pay attention to what's going on around you, right? right. It kind of forces you, reminds you to actually look up to see what's going on around you. So that's definitely beneficial. I don't have a problem with maps. I use Apple Maps all the time. So I will appreciate the additional features in Apple Maps, especially when you're coming to a complicated exit, like in Atlanta, you know, the most popular one is Spaghetti Junction. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got which lane am I in? When's the exit coming up? When should I get over? You know, maps do a good job of telling you what lane, but to be able to actually visually kind of see the lane you're supposed to go, that definitely will help out a little bit. Cool. 
All right. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's it for iOS 15. Is there any one, any particular feature that you are most excited about overall in iOS 15? Um, most excited, probably the wallet to see what all uh, services, you know, will get integrated in that and how soon, you know, because they've been talking, we've been talking about wallet for a while now, mm -hmm. but it's still, you know, kind of restrictive in who's all partnering with Apple to actually push something out. So it'll be interesting to see going forward what companies, what services actually integrate with Apple Wallet, especially with driver's license. How will I be able to use that? Mm -hmm. Can I get into a club and just show you my driver's license on my phone and will that be enough or you know, how will people, you know, start to acclimate to that, you know, yeah. especially like if I'm out and about, you know, um, and somebody needs to see my driver's license or a photo, photo ID, will it be enough for me just to show you it on the screen or will people still kind of say, okay, well, I need to get your real ID mm -hmm. or will people actually acclimate fast to where mm -hmm. I'm showing you my ID on my phone and that's good enough? Yeah. And my thing with the whole you know, driver's license is to so say you get pulled over for whatever reason. Am I going to have to give the officer my phone or can I right. just hold up my phone and you see it? Um, because or they or you use NFC and it'll, you know, they tap their phone or whatever. And just the the uh, driver's license information will so they can go look it up or register it or whatever they do in the car. Yeah. Whatever. Either Wasting way, all that time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want you connecting to my mm. phone in any sort of way. That may be. Let me keep. Let me whip out this physical <laughs> driver's keep license in and now, hand just, that you over. You see a time. Yeah, you can see a time to where your driver's license sits in your car, mm -hmm. and if you need it for something like that, you know, you'll have it in your car. But like you said, going to concerts, actually, you know, going to a bar, mm -hmm. and the bartender wants to see your ID or the waiter wants to see your ID. All you need to do is look up the dates. There's no reason to actually have a physical ID when you can show your phone. It'll have all the information on the front. You know, there may be very few instances like voting mm -hmm. to where they need to scan your ID. Mm -hmm. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see if the wallet will have the front and the back because a lot of the the rear, I can only speak for, our, you know, Georgia, but in the back there's barcodes to where the voting people, they actually scan that mm -hmm. barcode. So It'd be interesting to see how that integrates with, you know, voting booths, voting places, because, you know, Georgia, we've got our problems <laughs> as it relates to voting, voting IDs. So well, that'll be interesting to see how they integrate that. Right. All right. That's it for iOS 15. Let's head on over to iPad OS 15. All right. Starting off with widgets. Um, we have widgets um, that were introduced on iPhone that is coming in an expanded capacity to iPad. Um, you now have widgets on the home screen and they are scaled um, in a larger format for the iPad screen since the iPad screen is larger. So you'll still have the same type of widget functionality versions on your phone. They've scaled it so that it fits the screen nicely on your iPad. And the other thing is app library is also now on iPad. So they're bringing, closing the gap, it seems, between iOS, iOS and iPad OS as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, one of the things that they didn't do with the, um, the um, widgets 
that I wish they would have did was the live tiles. Mm. You have to actually inter interact with the widgets versus just getting an at a glance. And then for me to do anything, I actually have to tap the widget to actually open up the app. I wish I'd be able to do basic things from the widget, you know, but you know, this is a step forward. forward. Right. All right. Um, the next biggest thing um, on iPad OS is multitasking. So um, it gives you some new view options for quick access, which are at the top of your iPad screen. Um, the controls are also at the top of the screen. There's this new um, shelf feature that um, allows you to um, uh, view all of the, the apps that you have open, all the open windows that you have, and you can easily toggle between them on this shelf um, instead of having to kind of, um, you know, how you have to swipe up and kind of scroll through the different mm -hmm. ones. They'll just be in a nice, neat, compact, um, what they call shelf, um, kind of at the bottom of the screen. Um, yeah, that's similar to like a desktop. If you're a Mac user and you use the different de desktops, which I don't think a lot of people use them. I use them a lot to where I can just swipe through the different uh, desktops with the different groups of apps. So on one desktop, I may have Finder. I may have podcasts. I may have Apple Music. Mm -hmm. I can swipe to a whole new desktop on my Mac and have Safari and Chrome open on the same one. I can swipe to another one, so on and so forth. So uh, on the iPad version of desktops would be the shelves. So if you have multiple windows open, you can swipe to another shelf and then have a whole different set. So you that quick back and forth without messing up your current workspace or mm -hmm. current shelf. Right. And the way that this new multitasking is set up, you can have it full screen, like a, a slide over where you can kind of move it across and a split view. But what was also neat, um, I think in one of the, the exam in the demos that they had, they had like, um, like a, uh, like notes and they were writing something. And then on the other side, they pulled up like email. So, you can, if you want to see a bigger view of the email, it will pop out and be kind of like overlaid on your split screen. So you can still email from there, um, read the full email, reply back, and then kind of swipe that back over so you don't lose your actual split screen. It's just like another pop-up on top of, of the screen. Right. Um... Anything else with multitasker? A uh, keyboard shortcuts. Um, so for those people who use keyboards with their iPads, mm -hmm. um, when you attach your, your keyboard, um, you can view all these different types of, of shortcuts that are, are available. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully they give you a shortcut to where you can. I know there's a way to do it, but it never works foolproof. Like, for instance, our show, for example, the name of our show is snob OS and the way we spell it is the S in snob is lowercase to resemble like Mac OS, iPad OS, so on and so forth. Whenever I'm starting a sentence with the name of our show, I don't want to capitalize the S. So I got to do the tap the double shift and do all this crazy stuff multiple times mm -hmm. in order. Every to time you want to type it. Right, right. With the keyboard shortcuts, hopefully they add one in there that gives you to uh, lowercase and uppercase to switch between them. So that would definitely... That's just a per personal 
feature request. So we'll see if that comes out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is it for that. Um, I can't think of any new talk about the app library, talked about the widgets. Yep. Um, so notes, so notes got a bit of an update, um, as well. Um, you can now add tags to your notes. And one thing that they really did a lot on the demo is this new quick note feature. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I think of it as a sticky note. So you can kind of bring in, um, if you want to just say you're on your iPad and you want to write down a note, um, pick up milk. You can bring in a little kind of like a, a floating window of, of a notepad. And it's just like one little note, write down your little note, write down your list, you know, pick up milk and then kind of swipe it away. It is, you can see all of the quick notes in the notes app, but it's just a, an easy way just to kind of make, you know, as it's called quick notes, um, to jot something down, um, really easily on your, um, on your iPad, but that they spent quite a bit of time, um, on that as well. Um, because like you said, well, cause people are going digital. Like mm -hmm. I use my iPad a lot and I'm starting to use it more in the place of pencil and paper. Mm -hmm. So to be able to quickly jot down a note, jot down, you know, a phone number, an address or whatever, I'm trying to force myself to use my iPad and my iP and my Apple pencil more than actually going to find a piece of scratch paper. Mm -hmm. So uh, it makes sense for them to spend a lot of time on this because, again, I don't want to use paper anymore at all. Mm -hmm. You know, at my current work desk, my current current work day, you know, I don't have any piece of paper laying around because I'm forcing myself to use my iPad. So this is a very nice added feature for those like me who are trying to ditch paper altogether. Yep. And it's archived, so you can't, I mean, I guess you technically can lose it, but it's not like writing something out on a scrap of paper and losing that piece of paper or not being able to read what you wrote. Um, I think it's nifty. It's handy. And of course, all of your quick notes are compiled together in a quick note folder in the notes app itself. Um, what else do we have in iPad OS? Um, translate. Um, I guess for those who use the translate app, um, it now, uh, auto translates and it, it makes the, the app and the interaction more conversational rather than just, you know, I'm typing in something. Okay. What does this say? It gives you more of a conversational feel as well as writing. So now if you write something in a different language, it will translate um, that writing as well. They've improved um, on that. Uh, so that was it for Translate. Um, uh, what else am I missing? Uh, SharePlay. So I would say you got something about Swift Playground. Oh, yes, Swift. Swift Playground. Um, so now uh, Swift is the um, uh, language... Uh, used to develop uh, apps for um, Mac devices. So now you will be able, with the Swift Playground, you will be able to code on your iPad for mm -hmm. your app. So you can generate, create a new app from your iPad 
and you can submit the app directly to the app store from your iPad. So it's bringing, again, closing the gap of having to have a full-blown laptop to do development. You can do it now with Swift Playground directly on your iPad. All right. And I want to say I'm looking at the overview from the Apple website. Um, SharePlay. And of course, what we talked yeah. about in FaceTime, right. um, those changes, over all that carries over. All that carries over. Yeah. Right. Uh, one of the cool things that probably you're going to get into a little bit later is the work across the different devices. Mm-hmm. When we talk about macOS Monterey, you know, you'll be able to easily versus AirDrop versus, you know, email to uh, yourself. Yeah, emailing to yourself, text messaging pictures and things to yourself. You'll be able to just drag and drop those files across your different devices. So. Yep. So on iPad, the focus um, uh, app or options are going to be on iPad OS, photo collections, Memojis, the messaging stuff that we talked about. Of course, the FaceTime stuff that we talked about, the scheduling, the mics, all that stuff that we talked about on iOS um, 15 carries over to iPad OS as well. All right. Let's talk watchOS. Um, all right, so watchOS has some new things coming up. Um, there is, I personally like the Breathe app. Um, I use it, um, not necessarily just when it reminds me, but in my morning walks when I take my dog out to walk, I use it. So there um, have been some enhancements to the Breathe app. Um, that also includes some additional haptics, um, basically tapping you on your wrist, letting you know when to breathe in, when to breathe out, those type of things. Um, also coming to watchOS 8, um, a reflect feature, um, and it's in the new mindfulness, mindfulness app, which is kind of like a way of like, if you want to do, if you do like affirmations, if you're one of those type of people, that's what's going to kind of be in this uh, mindfulness apps, just different um, ways to to take a break, take a breather, to kind of get your center yourself and calm and all that good stuff is, is coming to watchOS 8. Um, the uh, sleep app, it's getting a new um, metric to track, and that is of the respiratory rate. Guess it comes in handy, and maybe that came out of what all went on with um, COVID. Um, Fitness Plus, um, there are some new workouts, uh, new Tai Chi workouts, Pilates, and there is a new instructor um, on the scene, Jeanette Jenkins, who's quite popular. Um, she has some new um, cardio and hit type of workouts. Um, so I think when we talked about Fitness Plus before, I think I had just gotten it. And um, that was one of the things we talked about is like, it's not a whole lot of instructors in different workouts. So they are bringing new instructors in workouts. And they're good. Yes. And they're also bringing what they're calling artist spotlight playlists. So certain um, uh, artists, uh, they named a few. I don't remember them all because I don't think it was really anybody that I listened to. But um, you could have a whole workout just um with the playlist from one particular artist um uh new portrait watch face so you will be able to 
um, have a better view of um, of the uh, the watch face on your um, on your device on your uh, Apple Watch. Um, so the picture, I think, one of the things people use. Some people use photos mm-hmm. um, as their watch face. Um, mm-hmm. It fills the screen more. It gives you a better, crisper view of the image, and you can use the crown to type to you know to scroll um, up and down the image as well. Um, photos uh, on Apple Watch gets um, a little bit of an upgrade. Um, you now have memories as you have on your phone directly in the um, on the watch OS. Um, it's easier to find photos. You can share photos easier, um, including GIFs. Oh, I'm sorry, GIFs. Um, <laughs> they made sure to, to see, and I always have to remind myself that the G is pronounced like a J. Um, easier when you're, you can um, edit easier. Um, so say if you do, um, if you're doing a voice text on your Apple Watch, you can now kind of move the cursor back to to change or edit the text using the the crown on your watch that moves the the cursor and um what else was on apple watch well they got some you know home kit stuff to where you know if you are uh somebody interacts with your home your home kit like for instance coming up to your doorbell ringing your doorbell if you have of course have a home kit compatible you know front doorbell or front door watch you know your watch OS 8 can make suggestions for others nearby for example someone rings your connected doorbell you might see options like unlocking the door or turning on entry lights so if somebody comes up rings the doorbell you know watch will recognize that and give you options like do you want to open the door do you want to view the camera whatever the case may be without you actually having to go to your watch go to the home app open it up and then unlock the door or do whatever. It'll give you those suggestions on the fly. Um, and also um, home key. So um, wallet is, is, of course, on um, your Apple Watch. So um, with uh, Watch, um, you have access to your digital wallet that includes, you know, in some instances, if you have a smart lock, your home key, car keys, ID, similar to what we mentioned um, before, um, in the upgrades in wallet that is also coming to um, Apple Watch as well. Your ID, your driver's license, um, you know, credit cards, which are already on wallet and, you know, your boarding passes, those types of things are already on there. But with the addition of the home key, car keys and IDs, that is also going to be visible in um in Apple Watch, um, yeah, in Apple Watch and Watch OS 8. Um, we talked about um, sending uh, GIFs in text messaging. So the text messaging uh, also gets um, a little bit of an upgrade as well. Um, the focus uh, filters that we talked about before, that's going to be on Apple Watch as well, which only makes sense because if you have your phone on whatever focus you're trying to concentrate on at that moment, you don't want to get other pings on your watch as well. So you can sync, um, you know, what's going on in your phone, of course, what's going on with your watch. And we talked about the mind. Oh, there's a little bit more on the, yeah, we talked about mindfulness, 
workouts. It looks like they they I don't think they talked about it in the in the announcement uh about an update to the uh, workout apps, but No, it really isn't too much to it. It's pretty much, you know, just reiterating because what I'm looking at now is just from the Apple website where they do a preview. Um, you know, of course, Jeanette Jenkins is on Apple Plus and the artist spotlight thing we talked about before. So some of those things um, carrying over across um, multiple devices. All right. So the last OS we are going to talk about today is the new Mac OS Monterey. And again, um, you know, just a quick highlight, focus, share play, quick notes, um, are all, um, as we mentioned before in the other OSs, those things are coming to Mac OS Monterey. But in addition to those, um, features that we talked about before, um, AirPlay to Mac is finally coming to the Mac. So you can, um, share, um, what's, uh, you know, on your, on your phone, whatever you're airplaying from, um, to the Mac, it gives you the sound from, so say if you're airplaying from your phone, it's going to go, um, you're going to have the actual audio from your Mac that'll be playing it. So the sound from the device will follow with airplay. Uh, what else with that with the airplay i thought it was something else with airplay maybe terrence which i mean i can't think of anything oh, okay but why you look it up um not all these features will be on all the macs that can get mac OS monterey uh live text and photos improved city maps detailed globe view and apple maps natural text to speech unlimited continuous keyboard dictation you will need a m1 mac in order to use some of those some of that functionality so be careful you know especially if you're thinking about getting or downloading mac os monterey or you're looking forward to some of these features make sure that your mac is compatible, compatible. like for instance none of my macs that i have are compatible because i haven't uh, upgraded to an m1 chip so hopefully 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 uh you know apple uh their next round of hardware will include more Macs with the M1 or the upcoming M1X uh, chip. I think that's what they're going to call it. Yep. All right. Um, yeah. So I think that was pretty much it. Um, Safari, I think we'll... Is Safari further down? Yep. Safari is... We'll talk about that in some of the other services. But at a high level, um, Safari got a redesign, um, streamlined tab bar, and you can now um, organize your tabs better. And in this new thing called tab groups, we'll elaborate when we get a little bit further down to the Safari section. Um, shortcuts app. So the different types of animations that you can set up on your iPhone, you can now set those types of animations up on your um, on your your Mac. Of course, right. compatible Mac. Um, and right. I know you use shortcuts a lot, Terrence, right? Right. Um, because, uh, well, not because, but shortcuts, I think, is sounds like it's going to take the place of Automator on Mac because you could use Automator to create these similar type of scripts 
uh, shortcuts makes it so much easier than Automator, so much more visually, uh, makes sense more visually to be able to drag and drop and add shortcuts. So they're bringing that to the Mac. And like I said, that'll take the place of Automator um, for the Mac. And yeah, I do use a couple of them. Like for instance, I set some up to where message to remind them again to get their chores done. I've set um, shortcuts to uh, remind me when uh, products that I've ordered tracking links. So I'll set up a shortcut to where I can just click that one button. It'll automatically go to the the carrier website and show me the current status of that package. Uh, A couple other ones, like I mentioned earlier in the show, to where I run an automation to where when I open the Apple Fitness Plus app, it automatically puts my phone or my iPad into do not disturb mode. So definitely being able to create or discover those doing via a larger device, larger screen via the Mac. Definitely looking forward to that. Cool. All right. And the last thing, and I think probably for me, the biggest thing on uh, Mac OS Monterey is universal control. So what this universal control does, if you have an iPad, a Mac, and say um, an iMac, you can use the cursor, the mouse and keyboard across all of the devices. So if you are working on, say, something um, or a a design you sketched on your iPad, you can now use your, as long as it's in proximity, you can use your keyboard and your mouse to go over to your iPad. So using the controls from your laptop, you can control and work on your um, iPad and you can drag whatever you're working on from your iPad to your Mac, to your from your Mac to your iMac or whatever the case may be. It's not just, you know, a large screen type of thing. And as, as I think Terrence mentioned a little bit earlier, if you're doing something on your phone and instead of having to airdrop it to your Mac, you can just, with this universal control, have it in the proximity and use those controls to move it from your phone to your, um, say, your Mac book. So that was, to me, I think was one of the, um, probably one of the slickest things that I saw throughout the whole um, announcement is the seamless transitions that you get from a single uh, keyboard and cursor. So you don't necessarily have to have like the KVM switches to kind of switch across for different controls you may have plugged in as long as they're in the proximity of, of each other. You can use your keyboard or mouse from one device on multiple devices. Yep, yep. Uh, another thing that they're bringing to the Mac is share your screen. Like for instance, I do a lot of Mac support in addition to iPhone support. So being able to make it easier for clients to show me their screen so I can walk them through troubleshooting. You can do it right now going through messages and using iCloud, but it's cumbersome. You know, it's not readily available. Uh, What I mean by that, it's not readily recognizable. So it's not apparent how you do that. Now I can just start a FaceTime conversation while we're in the FaceTime conversation, similar to Zoom, similar to Teams, similar to even Skype. Now I can just do a share your screen option. They can show me what they're looking at. I can walk them through it. Yep. 
So I believe that is it for Mac OS Monterey. All right, so that pretty much covers all of the OSs, um, the updates in the different OSs that were covered in the keynote. There are a couple of other um, items. Um, I just kind of list them as, as services, even though they're in some instances, I guess it could be considered a service and some they can't, but that's just what I called it. So um, I guess we'll start with privacy. So um, there have been some privacy updates um, that are coming to, to your Apple devices um, in the mail app. Um, this uh, uh, mail privacy, I got production here, is protection. So mail privacy uh, protection. And what this does is it hides your IP address in your mail. It hides your location. And it also hides um, the timestamp and uh, info. So when you open it, you know, previously, you know, in some instances, you can see when a person opened an email um, that you sent or received. Now that information can be hidden as well. Yeah, and that just goes to Apple's, you know, thing to privacy to where, you know, a lot of these things where you wouldn't think that you would think want to keep private, but especially with the IP address and location, because sure, you just think you're reading an email from somebody who is sending you, you know, spam or a newsletter or a, um, an advertisement or something like that. When you actually click on that email, it gives the sender a lot of information like your IP address so they can better so they can locate where you are to be able to serve you relevant uh, air quotes, relevant <laughs> ads. Also with your location, if they know you're in X, Y, Z, and they can give that to their, you know, um, their advertisers and say, hey, this person in this city, in this state with this IP address, they can really finite who you are. Mm -hmm. And then that gives them more ammunition to sell to advertisers so they can flood you even more with, you know, information, with ads, with junk, whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. But it's just amazing that all of this additional information can be transmitted just by you opening the email. So Apple recognizes that and it says, hey, let's 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 lock some of that down as well. All right. Um, in Safari um, for privacy, your IP address is now hidden in Safari. Um, so when you're browsing the web, um, your IP address won't be easily visible and you will also get an app privacy report. Um, I'm not sure if they specified during the announcement what comes in that app privacy report. Did you see anywhere where it well, gave any specifics? If it's similar to the app privacy report in iOS, then it'll give you information like, what this information is doing, what this website is doing with your data. Are they, are they collecting your contact information? Are they, what are they actually collecting when you go to this website? Are they heat mapping you? Are they watching you where you go on the website? What side of the website you're clicking on? So I would imagine information like that. What are websites collecting while you're on their website? Are they collecting how long you're on the website? You know, a lot of this information is useful to advertisers so they can find out what they can say. And I'm just using advertisers as an example because that's the most common one that mm -hmm. I can think of. But, you know, a lot of that information, again, you don't know is being shared. You just think they're tracking links. How many times you clicked on a link? 
you know, but this information, you know, there's a lot of information that you don't know that's being shared that with Apple simply saying, look, here's a report of all the things that this website is doing or collecting or watching that may give you an awareness at the very least. You're aware of what these websites are doing. Whatever you do with that information is your business. But Apple's like, look, let me at least show it to you. Right. So I'm looking on the developer page when it talks about this report. And you are correct when it comes to data collection, um, talking about um, the type of data that's being transmitted off of the device um, to any type of third party partner, any type of analytics tool, advertising network, um, those type of, of, of things, um, the different types of data, um, name, your email address, phone number, address, any of those type of information that you wouldn't necessarily want to have, um, or just kind be of aware. out there. Like, or you you're aware of what, when you go to that site, of what they are collecting or what this site will be collecting from you. You know, a lot of people may not care, but... You know, if any proof of what people decided to do when they found out what Facebook and these all these other apps were tracking, a lot of people was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So you never know. There may be some people that may act on this privacy report when they get him like, oh, I didn't know they was doing that. Let me not go there as much or let me go in, you know, privacy mode to search these websites to where they can't collect that information, you know, um, as easily. Yeah. All right. Um, the last thing in privacy, Siri. Um, I think we talked about this before. There are more inclusive voices in Siri now. Um, mm-hmm. I think we call it some code switching uh, <laughs> different voices. <laughs> you can tell who the black voices are and mm-hmm. which voice they're using. Um, as many black people, we have to kind of code switch. Well, we don't have to, but there are some of us who do code switch based on. Yeah, <laughs> without even really thinking about it. Right. Um, the audio that um from siri so you know siri's already listening that stays on the device and Mm -hmm. now it has on device processing so you don't have to worry about any audio to the cloud going to the cloud or going somewhere else it all stays locally on the device now which makes it safer so that people can't access because i think we talked about a story a while back where people were being recorded and there was a group at facebook that that's what their job was was to just listen to the recordings from from your from your account. Right. And a lot of companies that issue devices to employees, you know, a lot of the functionality, a lot of beneficial functionality is taken off of those devices mm-hmm. via mobile device management uh, platforms. Ask me how I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of companies are snatching that functionality away because before, in order to do cool things like Siri, you know, to be able to say, hey, call this number mm-hmm. or set this new calendar appointment, a lot of that information was going to the cloud for processing. Mm-hmm. And that's a no-no for mobile device management. Look, we need, th- we got this specific, crucial information that cannot leave this device. So the fact that Siri, you know, for instance, is audio is now staying on device, on device processing that will enable companies to actually give some of that functionality back to, back to their users. And when you think about it, whenever you go to certain apps and it says access, you know, grant me access to your mic, those mm-hmm. type of things that are kind of always listening, those types 
of, of audio content will stay on your device and be processed on your device instead of going somewhere else. All right, the next service up, iCloud Plus. Um, so the key features that are coming out of iCloud Plus, account recovery feature using trusted people. So if I designate Terrence as one of my trusted people, if I get locked out of my account, um, I can say, hey, send this to Terrence. He'll get the code, give it to me, and I can get into my device. Um, legacy contacts. It allows um, trusted people, certain individuals, to get access to your device when you pass away. There are people who, unfortunately, if you think about COVID now, folks who passed away, as much as we hold and keep on our device, as we talked about throughout this show, um, you know, passwords with the password manager or, you know, those type of things are all stored on your device. If you pass away, you don't know the passcode. Of course, your face ID or any of your biometrics won't be on that um, device. This legacy contacts allows you, well, allows, you know, trusted people or family members who would get your device the ability to access what to, to access what's on your phone. Right. And that's a very morbid uh, conversation to have. But at the same time, real life. a lot of people don't have it, especially with couples. Right. Because it's me and my wife. Well, you know, I have her. If something were to happen to her, I have all our passwords and, you know, our password manager to where I may not have her phone, but I have all the path, the passwords, passcodes to get into the phone. Right. But what if something happens to me and my wife? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got kids and I'm know. single. So who's but, going but to a lot of our but a lot of our information is digital. Mm-hmm. We don't have stuff written down like our parents and our grandparents do. So if something were to happen to me and my wife or like you said, something were to happen to you, you know, they may not have or even know how to use LastPass or Password Manager mm-hmm. to get access to all our information. So to be able to automatically assign a contact uh, to be give access to where at the very least they can get into my phone mm-hmm. and then from there try to figure out how to do something. That's a whole lot easier yeah. than start from square okay. zero. And you can't even get no in. access at all. Right. Um, the next thing in iCloud Plus, private relay. So essentially, I think I did a little bit of research. The best way to sum up this private relay feature is I call it like a VPN plus. So um, during the announcement, they didn't use the letters VPN, but most people assume that's kind of what it was. But doing a little bit of research, um, this private relay uses a dual hop architecture, which means that both your IP address and the URL of the website you're visiting is encrypted. Right. So you can't, if someone's trying to track you or, you know, using the advertisers um, or, example. Or you think of like a Starbucks, somebody sitting in a car or sitting in a, in, in a corner of Starbucks and they have somehow got access to the uh, Starbucks free <laughs> public Wi-Fi, which is free and is public. You know, you. But people don't realize it. Oh, it's just Wi Fi is safe. No. <laughs> right. You being on your iPhone using this private relay, your uh, IP address um, is uh, encrypted. And if you go to a website, that then that website has become encrypted. Now that person sitting on Starbucks Wi Fi 
can't get access to your information specifically. Probably the reason why they don't, the reason why Apple didn't say VPN is because VPN is a whole lot more than that. Mm -hmm. And all of that extra functionality that a VPN uses, I'm pretty sure Apple Private Relay does not. Mm -hmm. So Apple definitely probably doesn't want to be on the hook for calling itself this private VPN. relay, calling it VPN, yeah. because then they'll be <laughs> accountable or yep. responsible for all the If something stuff. happens, it's like, well, you told me I was VPN. Right. No, it's not VPN. So they call it private relay to <laughs> pretty much get themselves out of trouble. Yeah, cover themselves. <laughs> and um, the last big thing in iCloud Plus, hide my email. So this gives you the ability to protect your actual email address by giving you this alternate email address, this sim uh, kind of like fake email address, but all of it, if you're signing up for something, the information feeds back to your primary email address. It's just a different address you can give to someone else who you're signing up for something or mm -hmm. somebody you don't want to have your actual email address that they mm -hmm. can still communicate with you, but using not your actual private email that you normally use. Right, right. Think of Craigslist. Craigslist does this to where they anonymize your email address when you're talking to people when you're interested in buying something or on their classified ads, whatever the case may be. Um, additionally to this hide my email that Apple didn't talk about is they are giving users the ability to create a custom email domain. So right now, if you open up a Apple ID and you create an Apple ID account, They'll say you have to use, for instance, you know, um, Terrence at uh, me.com or not even me.com. They don't use that anymore uh, at iCloud.com. Well, what if I wanted to, you know, change it up and say Terrence at, you know, applesnob.com or whatever the mm -hmm. case may be? You know, Apple is giving you the ability to create a custom email domain name. And then if you share that with your family, like if me and Nika were part of a family, uh, I could share that domain name with her via the family share, and then I could be Terrence at snob, MacSnob.com, and then, you know, Nick could be Nick at Mac, whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. Uh, that's a feature that uh, iCloud Plus is getting that I don't think they even mentioned at the, um, the mm, WWDC no. keynote. Mm -mm. I don't uh -huh. remember them saying that either. Yeah, that's good so to that know. kind of, yeah, that kind of combats Google Suite, that kind of combats Microsoft 365. Um, to where, you know, they're giving out domains to where, you know, for instance, my family uses one. We use uh, G Suite, you know, but we only use it for the domain. Right. But it was free. You know, I did it a long time ago. So we have a, you know, a family domain name where I can bring that over now, you know, uh, hypothetically, if this works the way I think it's going to work, I can bring that into iCloud Plus since we already share. Um, we already share iCloud uh, uh, two terabytes of. Because uh, you have the Apple One, right? Yeah, exactly. So I already share a domain. I already share iCloud storage space. Then I can actually then use the um, domain custom domain to create a family domain. So we can be Terrence at my family or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And I can share that with my wife. I can share that with my two daughters, you know, to where when they get email addresses, they already have an email address that I can control. Right. And I'm trying to, I think there's a price associated with it. Yeah. Free. It's included. If you already pay for anything with iCloud Plus, they're not charging you any more extra. So what is this? I see 99 cent per month 
for five gigabits of iCloud storage and support from yeah, HomeKit. Yeah, if you're paying for that. If you okay, comes with that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. And two ninety nine for two hundred gigabits and nine ninety nine for two terabytes. Right. If you're already paying for that, you get all these iCloud Plus features. Right. All right. Um, health. So they did do a whole uh, health app um, update as well um, with mobility. So there's a, a, a new mobility feature in this where it kind of tracks your walking statement. So it helps. I think there's already the option for fall detection um, mm-hmm. on Apple Watch. Is it on the phone mm-hmm. too? Um, no, just the watch. Just the watch. And um, so this is supposed to be an improvement um, in identifying risk factors for falling. And it kind of tracks your current walking gait because everybody has a different bit of a walking gait and it comes with um, a mobility summary and exercises. So if it notices that your gait has changed or something seems a little bit off, it will in the app suggest different exercises you can do in addition to giving you a summary of, of I guess how many falls you've had or those type of um those type of features. Yeah, this don't help if you knock knee or pigeon toe or anything <laughs> like that. When you're talking about that, you're talking about it's tracking and see, okay, something's changed or you're walking a little bit differently. You need to check up on that. Right. Um, labs is uh, another um, new feature. Um, it's a simplified view of any of your lab work that you may get from uh, your doctor. Um also, trends is included in this as well. It's um, a health summary that helps address subtle changes um, in your health. So um, I think I mentioned before, think of it as if something is going on with your health, it usually isn't something that's acute onset immediately that you notice, a lot of times things can come gradually. So what this trends does is it monitors your health to say, hey, you know, the first three months you're good, but this next fourth month, things are starting to look a little bit different. So it just gives you the ability to possibly find health issues earlier um, as they come up. And you can also share this information directly with your healthcare professionals. And of course, it's all encrypted and it's all safe um, and protected. And the final thing, uh, family sharing. So you can share your health data and health info with members of your family that you designate to have that information. Yep, yep. So you can check in on them elderly family member, you know, you're, you're concerned about your parents, you know, you can request, <laughs> they, they may not share it with you, but you can lovingly request that they share that info with you so you can make sure they're okay. Uh, in addition to that, um, with iOS 15, you'll be able to scan a QR code from your healthcare provider and store your COVID-19 immunizations and test results securely in the health app. Again, that's if your uh, selected provider actually works with the health app, which a lot of them <laughs> do not. Uh, well, mine doesn't because <laughs> I've checked. 
multiple times. <laughs> Uh, so they don't. But if you are one of the lucky ones to where your uh, healthcare provider works closely or your, you know, whatever the company is, works closely, closely with Apple and Apple Health, you'll be able to store that information in the health app as well. And I see that trend, even though it's not very many um, healthcare providers that provide it now, I can see that as something that um, other healthcare providers are probably doing feasibility on, especially again, Lately, it all comes back to COVID. Having this type of information, especially if you have a loved one that is in the hospital, you know, now everyone can't go, only maybe one person, nobody can stay overnight. This is just a way to be able to see what's going on with your loved one without having to, you know, physically be at the hospital. You can still be up to date on what's going on with your family member through your device. Yep. All right, AirPods. Um, There were some updates to AirPods. Dolby Atmos um, has come to uh, Apple Music. Um, Notification upgrades, you know, in your ear, when you're listening, when Siri comes in, has someone calling, you get an email, you get a text or whatever the case may be. There's some upgrades on that and uh, improved integration on the Find My app which um, allows for easier finding of your, um, your, your AirPods. Anything else? I miss anything on that? Uh, nope, not really. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how they work with Dolby Atmos because I think that is a licensing thing you have to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, for instance, I have to do it on my Xbox. When I got Dolby Atmos, they do charge you like I think a one-time fee of nine bucks, but then they give you access to that extra functionality uh they haven't mentioned if that'll be the same thing with um uh, airpods having to pay a license or subscription fee for that okay um home this is probably more in your domain i'll just give some of the highlights of what i heard and then you can give your home technical expertise um Mm -hmm. the api for um home and home kit they apple is opening that up to um, other third parties to be able to have their devices uh, integrate with the home app. Um, you now will have parcel, parcel detection. So if Amazon, post office, or anybody like that drops off a package, you will have that detection on and get notifications for that. It improves the different camera views and also Apple TV. Um, it'll now uh, include multiple feeds on, on one screen. So say if you have four cameras set up outside your house, you'll be able to see all four screens, all four feeds on one screen, as well as allowing you to control any other nearby home, smart home accessories. Right. So they're just trying to uh, mimic the closed circuit television that you see on the, on the movies <laughs> where they, you know, uh, nab the security guard out front, you know, he's looking at his closed circuit television with the multiple screens. So now you can do that via your um, Apple TV. If you've got, of course, if you've got um, ex- um, compatible accessories, which that goes back to the the API, I think they call it Matter now. Matter. Mm-hmm. Basically what that is is just a way to standardize um, um, Internet of Things, specifically as it relates to you know, um, smart home things like lights, 
cameras, smart locks, you know, anything from sprinklers, right? Um, you'll be able to standardize that to where it'll, you don't have to guess whether or not it's going to work on HomeKit or is it going to work in Google Home or is it going to work on Alexa or is it going to work on Zigbee or, you know, Z-Wave or anything like that? You know, Apple uh, trying to standardize and group all of these and bring all of these other accessories together will make it easier for us to be able to pick products and not have to worry about whether or not it's going to work. You know, provided again that the, you know, these other companies actually join forces, which it looks like they will because that's just more money. Yeah. And at the end of the day, isn't it all about the money? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, the last thing um, that they covered, developer technologies, because again, this is a developer conference and a lot of developers uh, come to find out what's new, um, how they can... Um, you know, create better apps for the new devices to make sure that they work with the new iOS versions. So um, developer technologies, there were a few new things in that space. Um, API, which is um, a new object capture for 3D content creation. Swift, uh, which is the programming language for um, Apple um, applications. Um, it introduced something called concurrency, which essentially is a new way, a more efficient way to simplify your code within the uh, Swift UI. Um, App Store uh, also um, is more in line um, along uh, developer needs, meaning that it will include multiple product pages for different types of users. They will now, it will now have an in-app events um, section on the product page. So if you have some sort of event coming up, you can easily just click on that and it will pop out the details of the um, in-app event. Um, and the last thing, Xcode Cloud. So um, for developers, Xcode is a tool to use to develop and um an app, whether it be for iPhone, iPad, Mac OS, whatever the case may be. What this Xcode cloud essentially does is it makes it easier for developers to build and test their, uh, their application. And one of the neat things that I saw is, of course, all of this is done up in the cloud. So you don't have to you know, once you run your test, because you, if you have an app that's going to be compatible across multiple devices, iPhone, iPad, Mac, whatever the case may be, if you're running these tests on these apps previously, it's locally, takes up a lot of space, takes up a lot of um, uh, CPU power. All of this now can be spun up in the cloud. So you can simultaneously uh, test across multiple OS types and devices, and it gives you easy feedback of what passed, what failed. So it's really just a way to make development for um, developers to do the work that they do. And again, it leads to the fact of maybe not necessarily having to carry around big, heavy laptops if a lot of this stuff can be done in the cloud. So is this Apple's version of GitHub or is that different? Say it again. Said is Xcode X, X Cloud Apple's version of GitHub? No. 
Oh, it's totally different. Yes, yeah, different. So essentially, GitHub is just a, a repository. So okay. it just houses all of the code. Um, if you want to run it, you'll have to pull down the code and run it on your local IDE. And xCloud is just an IDE. Oh, okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, test flight is what um, uh, is the test tool that um, developers use to get their app to um, people they need to test their app. So it's a whole separate app called test flight. Um, you push your app to that. You can identify which testers you want to test the app. Um, and usually it's external. I mean, of course, you have internal testing, but a lot of times when you do your beta testing, it goes outside to people who aren't in your organization. So test flight um, uh, works with this um, Xcode cloud wow, tongue twister as well. So honestly, just over... Overall, just kind of hearing, you know, what this Xcode cloud does, it's, it really is a developer's best friend. It's going to make development a lot easier for folks who do app development. All right. And I believe that we've covered <laughs> everything. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch more stuff, actually. If you go to, we'll put it in the link in show notes, but if you go to the uh, preview um, of iOS 15 and there's a couple other links to where they give you like the direct short versions mm -hmm. of all the stuff that we just mentioned. Uh, we'll be sure to add that in the show notes because there were a couple other things that they mentioned. But like I said, what we just mentioned was a lot and they announced a whole lot more. So mm -hmm. we'll definitely put the links in the show notes for those different previews for the different versions. Right. Because we gave a super high level overview of of all of these things um, because I know when I was watching the the keynote I was like holy smokes you know trying to live tweet it and keep up I mean the transitions were just so quick so much information in an almost two hour keynote all right so I guess overall um, impressions on the keynote um I'm surprised. Well, no, I won't say I'm surprised, but uh, a lot of people will probably be surprised that they didn't mention anything about hardware, which, again, like I said, makes sense because this is a developer conference. Uh, so most of it is going to be software. You can make the argument that we have to create the software that's going to work on hardware. So you could mention the hardware at the developer conference, but, and I think Apple has mentioned hardware before yeah. at previous WWDCs, and you add that with the hype that people are waiting for with these larger MacBook Pros, the Pro versions, with all the different ports that, you know, these high-end users need, you know, uh, Thunderbolt ports, HDMI ports, I guess SD card slot for your photographers who are editing, you know, uh, pictures. Uh, a lot of people are clamoring for these larger MacBook Pros with Me. the newer, yeah, <laughs> with the with the newer um, M1X. I think is what they're going to call it. I think a lot of people are thinking or assuming that they were going to announce that lineup at WWDC, and they did not. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see when they actually do those announcements when they make those devices available. Uh, my guess is they won't wait as long as the 
iPhone 13, whatever they call it, will come out because I think they normally announce that in September. September. Uh, I don't think they're going to wait that long to announce a new MacBook Pro or whatever new hardware they've got coming out. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see when they do that. They'll probably uh, just do like a hardware announcement. Right, I'm thinking probably right. this is early summer, so maybe mid to late summer, but you know, they have to have enough space between the fall announcement as well. So I'm thinking probably late summer, very early right, fall. Right. So it'll be interesting if and when they do that. Other than that, uh, that's it. Uh, like I said, they did a without uh, mentioning any hardware, without mentioning App Store downloads, without mentioning any new iPhones, uh, any new colors for any new devices. I think they, you know, did a good job of devoting this one specifically to their Software. you know uh, ios lineups so and it was a lot time. and it was a lot so i think it's probably twofold one they covered a lot of software in this yeah. keynote and two with all of the issues surrounding uh, chip availability um you know just parts um it, it was probably it was i'm sure a calculated decision to say you know what we're not, we're just not going to say anything related to hardware. We're just going to keep it focused on software because this is developer conference and we don't want to, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot and promise something that we can't deliver or we're not quite sure of at this particular moment. Yep. All right. So I believe that wraps up today's all Apple show. Don't forget to download, rate, and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can definitely engage with us on the social media outlets. We are at Snob Westcast everywhere, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Definitely watch us on our YouTube channel at Snob Westcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to our channel so that you get the notifications when a new show is posted. Also, you can feel free to leave us any comments or suggestions if you have any thoughts on this week's episode, particularly as it relates to anything that was announced at WWDC. If you're attending any of the other sessions um, and you have some feedback, definitely let us know. You can do that by going to our website, snobwestcast.com, and also by sending us over an email, snobwestcast at gmail.com. Also, you can support our show in two ways by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash snobblewestcast. And for $5 a month, you get access to our pre-show content, access to our live show taping, and also access to our chat community. The second way you can support the show is by sending us over a little love offering at PayPal, which you can do by going to PayPal dot me slash snob os and that wraps us up this week we'll see you guys next week have a good one peace bye